my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 264. I hope everybody's doing well. I'll be honest, man. Um, I, I've been all over the place emotionally, and there's just the world is kind of tough right now. And so I just, I'm thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. I want to start with Dak Prescott. I cannot get the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, out of my mind. I keep thinking about him. He's like lingering around, taking up a lot of space, you know, living rent-free in my head, I guess. Um, You know, he did not get a long-term contract. He's going to play on the franchise tag this year. The deadline came and went. July 15th came. That was the deadline to sign a long-term contract. It didn't happen. Um, And there's a lot to unpack here, playing on the franchise tag. First of all, I'm happy for Dak because of the franchise tag. He's going to make a little over $30 million to play this year. And happy for him. He's been underpaid his entire career. I don't think he's worth really $30 million a year. I wouldn't give him that much money. Uh, maybe with inflation, the quarterback market, we'll, we'll have that discussion down the road. Um, but he's a good quarterback, not great. And that regard, you know, regardless of that, I would say he's still been underpaid his entire career. He's got... He was making like $600,000 a year, which is a lot for you and me, but for the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, he's been grossly underpaid uh, because of his rookie contract. And so I'm happy to see Dak get paid, take care of his family. The $30 million, man, I mean, he's going to make more in this year than the guaranteed money of Derrick Henry's entire um, you know, contract he just signed. So Derrick Henry's making 25.5. Dak for one year is going to make 30. That $30 million... That can go the rest of your life pretty easily if you spend it the right way. Um, I mean, uh, he's set for life, and I'm happy for Dak. But the reason I can't stop thinking about Dak Prescott is the number 100 million. And maybe Dak says, hey, I'll take 30. I'm set for life. Anything after, that's great. But it was reported that at one point, Dak Prescott was offered by the Cowboys a contract worth $100 million guaranteed. And he said, no. He said no because he was holding out for even more money. Oh, boy. Um, You know, for Dak Prescott's sake, I really hope that he doesn't come to regret turning that offer down someday. I hope he never regrets that. But unfortunately, I do believe he will come to regret that. Uh, You know, there was a USA Today report that said Dak tried to get a deal together at the last minute. Like in the final hour on you know that, that deadline date for Dak to get a long-term deal. He came to the Cowboys. He tried to give them what they wanted. He said, hey, fine, I'll sign your deal. I'll conform to your wishes. And the Cowboys went, oh, man, well, it's too late. You know, we ran out of time. It's, we, the clock's ticking. You know, we only got like an hour left, and uh, we, we, there's not enough time to get this deal done. That's very, very telling and very alarming. Here's the thing. If the Cowboys really wanted Dak Prescott, he would have a long-term contract. He would have it. it. There wouldn't have been so much negotiating. It would have come to fruition. It would have happened. Look at Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry got a long-term contract. A lot of guys, they push up to that deadline. They sign a contract. They get it worked out. And, man, uh, the reality is that the Cowboys didn't give him a contract. And people tell him, 
you know, people tell themselves a story that makes them feel good. We like to make ourselves the hero. We like to tell ourselves a story of reality, a version of reality, a version of our own truth that makes us feel good about ourselves because that's what we do. It's hard to own our mistakes. It's hard to own our flaws. It's easier to tell us a story we want to hear. That being said, I have no idea how Dak Prescott is going to spin this and tell himself a good version of that story, that he wanted a long-term contract, the Cowboys, him and they had discussions, and in the end, he walks away without a long-term contract. That is a massive deal. I I just go back to it, man. Last minute, he said, hey, I'll give you what you want. And the Cowboys said, nah, we're good. We don't actually want you on a long-term contract anymore. And I don't feel bad for Dak. He's going to make $30 million this year. Um, he's an NFL quarterback. He's got a good life. But I, I do, man, I do feel like he should have taken the $100 million guaranteed. It's hard not to feel that way. And it seems like Dak got greedy. When you're arguing, I want $110 million instead of $100 million. Bro, take the money. How's the deal you got today? 30 and then nothing after that? I said for a long time that the Cowboys and Dak have conflicting interests. And Dak really forced people to decide whether they are, you know, are you a Dak Prescott fan or are you a Cowboy side? There are two different sides of an issue. And what's good for Dak is not what's good for the Cowboys. I'm actually glad Dak is on the franchise tag and it's great. He's going to make over $30 million set for life. Um, if he spends it right, he'd be better. Um, and I, I think it's cool. He's going to make up for the years he was underpaid, but I would not, if, if I were a decision maker in the NFL, if I was a general manager, if I was someone running a football team, I would not give Dak a long-term big money contract. I'm certainly not giving him a contract worth a hundred million dollars, not guaranteed, never, at least definitely not based on what he's done so far in the league. Now, the reason why I wouldn't give Dak Prescott a massive long-term deal really boils down to, it's as simple as five moments from last year. There are five games last year where, you know, he lost to the Saints. The Cowboys lost to the Saints by two points. They lost to the Jets by two. The Vikings by four. Against the Patriots, they lost by four points as well. And they lost to the Eagles by eight. And there were five games last year where Dak had the ball at the end of the game and nothing happened. He couldn't deliver. He didn't win. He didn't score points and make it happen. You know, against the Vikings, he had the ball, four and a half minutes left, down four points, fourth and five, couldn't convert, ball game. Vikings win, Cowboys lose. Against the Jets, in the Jets game, two-point conversion at the end of the game. It's 24-22. You need a two-point conversion to tie it up, keep the game going. Dak didn't recognize the blitz right up the middle. Conversion, no good. Ball game over. Jets win, Cowboys lose. Saints game. Dak has the ball. Minute 39 left. Down two points. And couldn't score. Cowboys lose. And by the way, the Saints in that game, Teddy Bridgewater's a good quarterback. I think he's a a very okay franchise quarterback. Still, it is relevant. He was the guy playing for the Saints that day, not Drew Brees. Drew Brees was out injured. Dak Prescott lost to the Saints with a backup quarterback. Couldn't score more than 10 points. Patriots game, down two, uh, down four points, two and a half minutes left. Couldn't deliver. And then the worst of all, 
So far, four Cowboys losses. The worst game of all, Week 16 against the Eagles, a division rival. You're battling for a playoff spot. The Cowboys had the ball four and a half minutes left. They needed a touchdown. And not only could Dak not score, but he actually had a play where Miles Austin was open, wide open down the sideline, would have been a touchdown, and Dak missed. Had a guy wide open right at the end of the game, missed out on a touchdown because of a poor, errant throw. Eagles made the playoffs last year. Cowboys went 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> Those are five games where the Cowboys lost because Dak didn't make it happen at the end. You can blame anybody else you want, but let's be honest. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, guys like that, maybe they don't get five out of five. They get four out of five. They get three out of five. For five opportunities Dak Prescott had to hit none of them in that season last year, no way. I would not pay Dak Prescott a big long-term contract. And as time has gone on, as I've dove into film, as I've had conversations, I've had you know Brett Coleman on the show. We talked about Dak. I've really steadily kind of grown bullish that you know for, there was a, there was a period of time where I went, ah, would I pay Dak? Maybe I wouldn't pay Dak. I've kind of went you know flip and flop on it. I was not sure. I've, be, I've grown bullish recently where I really strongly believe, do not pay Dak. Do not pay Dak. Until he proves he can deliver. And I don't think I don't think even one year is enough. You know, Dak can do well next year, and I'll still say, ah, let's wait and see. Because Dak's okay. He's good, not great. But you want a hundred million dollars guaranteed? Which, by the way, you were too stupid to take. You turned it down, Dak? Well, let's look at the situational stuff. Five different moments last year, Dak had the ball at the end of the game. And for one reason or another, didn't deliver. I mean, if you're going to have $100 million guaranteed, I need you to at least, at least sometimes deliver in a big moment. Patrick Mahomes is not going to let his team lose by two to the Jets. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, ball at the end of the game. Apparently, Dak isn't the guy you want to have it. They'll make it happen. Dak does not. So, man, I don't know. I just, I think Dak's time in Dallas might be coming to an end. You know, after this year, you have a new coach, and Dak doesn't have a long-term deal. And again, the Cowboys tried. The Cowboys gave him an offer that was generous and, you know, more than generous, more than fair. And Dak said no. They're like, hey, Dak, here's $100 million guaranteed. You haven't really earned it, but hey, we'll give it to you because we like you. And Dak said no. We kept asking for more. So why didn't Dak get the deal last minute? I, I really believe the Cowboys finally woke up and said, oh, this guy is already asking for too much, and he keeps asking for more. We can't give in here. And, and then look, think about last year. We didn't make the playoffs last year. We lost to the Jets. The, the Vikings, oh, oh, yeah, the Patriots, the Saints, the Eagles. The Eagles won our division and made the playoffs. We didn't because our quarterback couldn't give us points at the end of the game. Oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't give our guy a big long-term deal because he had, he had moments. Dak had opportunities last year and didn't deliver. And I think the Cowboys' ownership and management finally realized, why are we in conversations with giving Dak a long-term contract when it doesn't seem like he's actually earned it? I really think if Dak becomes a free agent next year, he might be in for a rude awakening. Because what other team is going to offer Dak Prescott a hundred million dollars guaranteed who 
I don't know. Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, is very sentimental. He takes care of his guys. He pays everybody. That offer, $100 million, was the best Dak was going to get. And unless he drastically improves this year, then he's not going to get another offer worth over $100 million. I just go back to it. This is the thing. It's been stuck on my head for quite a while. Why did Dak turn down $100 million? Why couldn't he just say, hey, how about instead of $100 million, you know, instead of pushing for $150, let me just take $100 million, have some other stuff on it. The contract wasn't worth $100 million. It was $100 million guaranteed plus more over five years. He said no. Just weird to me. And I, I, I think Dak got greedy, and it cost him. And I hope I'm wrong. But I don't know that Dak's ever going to get another opportunity moving forward to sign a big contract that's that big with that much money and that long. Uh, Now, I want to say something. I've had this brewing in my head for a long, long time. I really believe that the Cowboys missed out on a Super Bowl back in 2016. That Cowboys roster was loaded. A great offensive line, a good defense. Des Bryant in his prime. Ezekiel Elliott. A younger Jason Witten. In 2016, the Cowboys had the most complete team they have had in years. Now, I want to ask you. You have this great roster. Great players. Solid everywhere. Like, really complete great roster. Who would you rather have lead that team into the playoffs? On one hand, you have a veteran quarterback. He's been in the league 13 years, started 127 games, made four Pro Bowls. He's got 24 comebacks, 29 game-winning drives. This is a veteran dude who's won a lot of games, put up great numbers, you know, 248 touchdowns. It's a savvy veteran. Do you play that guy with that record, that, that track record? Do you play the savvy veteran or do you play a rookie quarterback? Now, mind you, a rookie quarterback who's winning and doing well. But nonetheless, context matters. He's still a rookie. And I want you to think about it. This is your best team in years. You're one shot at a Super Bowl. Wouldn't you rather have the veteran quarterback, the guy who has shown for 13 years he can get it done? In 2016, the Cowboys quarterback, Tony Romo, got hurt. He was replaced by none other than Dak Prescott. And Dak exceeded expectations. He played really well, had a good year. The Cowboys made the playoffs. Like, I'm not giving you this argument saying Dak was a complete bum. He wasn't. Dak was playing pretty solid, like, had a lot of help for sure. Dak Prescott was not dialing up crazy big throws into tight windows. But Dak was getting the job done well enough, and the team was winning. And there was a point late in the year where Tony Romo, the veteran quarterback, came back from the injury, and the Cowboys had to decide. Do we stick with Dak, who, again, winning, doing okay? Or do we go back to Tony Romo, our 13-year NFL veteran? And the Cowboys actually chose to go with the rookie quarterback. They said, we're going to go with Dak. And I believe that decision, going with Dak Prescott instead of Tony Romo, I believe that cost the Cowboys a Super Bowl. Tony Romo is remembered for one thing. I remember watching it live his rookie year in the playoffs He was, weirdly enough, he was a starting quarterback for the Cowboys because he wasn't at the beginning of the year. He got elevated midseason or like right at the beginning. 
And he went from this kind of unknown guy to starting quarterback of the Cowboys. And because his roots were back in earlier in the year, he'd been the backup. He was still the holder on field goals because normally back then you had your holder, your backup quarterback holding field goals. Now it's usually the punter or someone else. But Tony Romo was the guy holding field goals. And in the playoffs against the Seattle Seahawks, I remember it live, kicking a field goal to win. He dropped the snap. Cowboys lost. It cost his team the game. And people never, ever got over it. No matter what Tony Romo did, that moment seemed like it was always thrown in the face of Tony Romo's legacy. I would point out, I don't think Tony should have ever been the holder. A starting quarterback has so many responsibilities. You want that guy also worrying about catching a snap and holding a field goal? It sounds easy. It's really complicated. It's not. It's a lot on your plate, a lot of practice time, a lot of preparation, a lot of, a lot of nonsense that your starting quarterback shouldn't worry about. But because of that moment, I think Tony Romo is massively underappreciated. That moment and the fact that for years, Tony had a bad team around him. For a long, long time, Tony was the sole reason why the Cowboys were competitive. People say, that, you know, the Cowboys lost. Well, Tony Romo was the only reason they were even in the game. Their, their roster was bad. And, you know, it's so sad that the one year Tony Romo had a good team around him. The one year he had everything finally built around him, he got hurt, and Dak Prescott happened. And part of why the Cowboys chose to play Tony Romo, or excuse me, part of why the, part of why the Cowboys chose Dak Prescott at the end of the year instead of Tony Romo was because Tony was 36 years old. He was reaching the end of his career, and uh, Dak was a rookie. And the Cowboys believed, hey, Dak is our future. We got to lean into that because if we bench him now, we're going to screw up the confidence of our future starting quarterback. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys got kind of caught looking ahead. Like, no offense to Dak Prescott, but his confidence can sit on the side. I don't care. Because right, I, I, I think they should have focused in the moment. Now, this is looking back. This is hindsight 2020. I, don't, I, I, wish, I wasn't really in the sports media back then. I wish I could have been. It would have been interesting to have that debate. I don't know. Even then, I don't think I would have realized it until now. But I know that if it ever happens again, I'm going to scream from the rooftops, hey, a veteran quarterback who's got a really good list of accomplishments, who's had a good career, is a great quarterback. A veteran is much better equipped to take this team on a Super Bowl run than a young rookie quarterback. I don't know. I, I just go back to man. I really believe that. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to be too harsh because I don't know what I would have done back then. I think my perspective has changed so much, but I know that now I look at it and say, Tony Romo was the guy who gave the Cowboys their best opportunity to win a Super Bowl in 2016, and they didn't play him. You know, the knowledge of NFL defenses alone, let alone leadership, let alone preparation, understanding the moment. There's so much that goes into being a quarterback. Tony was the master. Dak was seeing everything for the first time. And so I just think it's sad. I really believe that the Cowboys could go back. If they could trade the last couple of years with Dak Prescott, just so that they could have a, won a Super Bowl, if they could go back and say, we missed out on Dak, but at least we won a Super Bowl in 2016. I think they'd make that trade. We won a Super Bowl with Tony. Uh, I think the football world would be worse off because Tony's an amazing broadcaster. But if you're in a situation with 
I guess the point is never assume you're going to go back. Never assume you're going to get another opportunity to win a Super Bowl. There's that fine line where you got to build through the future. You got You want to win and have a team that's relevant and good. And that's what having a okay to solid starting quarterback gives you. Dak Prescott's stable and solid. But I'll be honest, I would trade the future of my franchise. Maybe not even the future, but I would sacrifice the certainty. I'd, I'd be okay with uncertainty of my future if it meant winning a Super Bowl. And even if it meant two more years of losing. I mean, look at the, the Denver Broncos are just now finally recovering from Peyton Manning. That's okay. They went for everything and they won. The Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl. They put all their chips on the table and it worked. Did it crash their franchise for a couple years afterward? Brock Osweiler didn't work and they had a lot of stuff go wrong. Yes, it did. But hey, Broncos fans, wasn't it worth it? You got a Super Bowl. And if you hadn't put all the marbles, all the chips on the table, you wouldn't have won. So I I just, man, I really go back to, I, I really believe that that decision, picking Dak Prescott over Tony Romo in 2016. You know, at the end of the year, you play the rookie instead of the veteran. Think about it this if you look at it this way, the Cowboys had a great football team. And they chose a rookie quarterback to lead them into the playoffs instead of the accomplished veteran quarterback, Tony Romo. And I really believe that decision years ago in 2016, that cost the Cowboys a Super Bowl. People are asking a real question. Are we going to have football this fall? You know, college and the NFL appear to both be in danger. You have college already is mostly playing conference-only games. I've heard that top NFL prospects are considering skipping the year to prepare for the NFL draft. Like, hey, our final senior year or my third year in college doesn't matter. Uh, I, you know, I've been out of the high school for three years. I'm, in, I'm eligible for the NFL draft. I'm just going to go prepare for the NFL draft. Um, and these are guys who are believed to be first-round picks, guys who really have nothing left to prove, who've dominated for two years and or three or whatever, and are believed to be a first-round pick regardless. And, and I've heard maybe we're going to have college football in the spring. I mean, it's the the debates are running wild, and it's not debates, it's conversations really, but it's there's a lot of discussion going on. And unfortunately, I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. Are we going to have football this year? I don't know. Now, the NFL seems like a mess. I want football very badly. It's my favorite sport in the world. Uh, it's my, it, it really kind of my lifeblood business-wise, too. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm also not confident. Uh, you know, there's a, the players movement where NFL players are saying, hey, we want to play. Like, players, there's that, we, like, I think it's we want to play movement, something like that, where NFL players are saying, we want to play, but what's the plan? Like, are there no precautions? What's going on? Like, what are the safety measures for COVID-19? Why haven't we figured this out yet? Preseason looks like it's going to get canceled. That's the new bargaining chip that's been reported that's, you know, was put on the board. Like, hey, we're not going to play any preseason games. Can you agree to that? Um, and sports news in general recently has been really tough for me because there's so much speculation. It's not even that it's depressing. It's that it's, it's uncertain. Like, I, I don't. What do you make of rumors that this is going to happen or that's going to happen? Like, there's nothing concrete at all. It's all rumors and ideas being thrown out there. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of getting tired of feeling, I don't, know, I don't know if other fans feel this way, but feeling strung along where I, I don't know what to make of it. I wanted to tackle it all in one topic because we could do a video every time there's a new rumor like, oh, the, the new rumors that there's no preseason games. And the new thing is 
college players are going to do this or that. But it's like I, I don't have the, the, the desire to follow that many rumors that change every four hours. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, what I'm going to do is just patiently wait and see what happens. Do we get football? I really hope so. I want so, so badly. 2020 has been a, a tough year. I mean, all around. And football, I mean, not even financially it'd be great, sure. But I mean, even like, I just need to pick me up emotionally. I want to watch the game that I love. I need enter- <laughs> want entertainment. But I also really want player safety. That matters too. Like you have to, I love Tom Brady. If Tom Brady died of coronavirus, <laughs> I'd be so heartbroken. I'd be so sad. I laugh. It's not funny. Um, and I, I don't want corona. I, don't, I, I understand players who are like, I don't, if it's risky, I'm not in. And I, I totally understand that. And my point, I guess, is I feel like we're in limbo where we're just waiting to see what happens. What, what indeed does come together? Because it's a very fluid situation. Everything's up in the air. Everything's kind of, it's like the NFL and college football is just juggling everything around all the time. And it seems like we won't actually know what's going to happen until we're sitting in front of our TV watching football. Until that moment happens, I'm going to be very skeptical and not very trusting. And I'm not going to put a lot of hope or, you know, I'm a very, I'm a kind of person that I I try to defend my heart a little bit and protect my heart where I'm not going to get emotionally invested in the fact that football is going to happen. Really, until I'm watching it, like I, I am gonna. There's some stuff I'll, I'll talk about in the next topic where I am trying to plan my life accordingly, as if the NFL is gonna happen. But I don't know. I, I don't know. And so, until there's a concrete plan, I'm tired of speculation. I'm tired of rumors, and I have nothing much more to add other than to say that, just like you, I'm sitting here waiting to see what happens because I, I don't know. And and I hope there's football. And when there is football, I'll be so happy. But until I'm watching it, I'm going to be forever skeptical and forever not skeptical is not the right word there. Nervous and afraid that my favorite pastime is not going to happen. So I'm just I'm guarding my heart a little bit, waiting, 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 and hoping that football comes to fruition, that it happens, and then also really hoping that players are safe because I, I respect that a lot. And it sounds like I'm covering my butt. I'm not. I just I know that I <laughs> like I. I haven't seen some of my friends in months because they work in the medical field or they, I understand they want to protect yourself. And so we'll see, man, everything's up in the air. And when we have more information, then we can talk about it. And when I'm watching football, that's when I'll truly believe that we're going to have a season. Okay. Um, one second, I'm going to drink some water. Actually. So the trick here, I've learned a lot about this. I really struggle with, I, I have a really bad deviated septum. My nose is super messed up. I can actually barely smell or breathe out my nose. It's really frustrating. And I have a hard time. Ta- it's, it's funny. Like I talk for a living. I actually literally have a hard time talking because of my deviated septum and I'm working on it. But Hey, there, first of all, money's tight right now. And there's no, uh, what do you call, um, insurance has been brutal. Like they don't want to work with you and it's hard to even get a doctor right now. And so someday I'll probably hopefully fix my deviated septum and figure that out so I can actually breathe out my nose. For now, the plan is lots of water when your mouth gets dry. So the key is to drink water and drink water before your mouth gets dry. And then actually I learned when you have too much saliva in your mouth, the, one of the keys is you have pineapple juice. And pineapple juice actually kind of cuts through the – and I'm not talking the dole from concentrate sweet and stuff. I'm talking like it's, it's – 
oh my gosh, it's effing <laughs> expensive where it's like six bucks for a stupid little jar, but it's real straight up pineapple juice like that. Not from concentrate, not the sweetened stuff, like the boring actual real pineapple juice. And that stuff helps to like cut through the saliva and makes it easier to talk when you're having a hard time. Pro tip, if you want a podcast, that's my pro tip on it. Drink water and have not from concentrate, but real, actual, straight up, legit pineapple juice. It helps a ton. So the mug is pineapple juice. Uh, now, Major League Baseball is happening. We have exhibition games going on right now in empty stadiums. It's funny, like Dodger Stadium has you know cardboard cutouts in the stands. That's I like that. Um, the MLB's Instagram page has been great. I've seen a lot of home runs. If you don't follow the MLB on Instagram, you should. It's fun. I am, like, I'm so excited for baseball. I'm excited for sports, period. I'm, I'm at my wit's end where I'm like, I just, I want to watch sports so, so badly. And um, this year is going to be really cool for baseball. It's a shorter season. There's only 60 games. And because of that, every single game matters. Every game has playoff implications. Like a four-game losing streak, which normally doesn't matter, it's a big deal this year. You have a four-game losing streak as playoff implications. That will affect your seeding, affect how you do everything. You know, This year, there are no random Tuesday games you can take off and relax. My Part of my problem with baseball always has been the games feel meaningless. You can have a bad game on Tuesday, and it's like, eh. No, no. I, I like when it matters. When every at-bat, every pitch, everything matters. There's a tremendous amount of tension in baseball when everything's important. And that's what this year has more than any other year. And think about it this way. With so few games, the playoff race is going to be insane this year. You know, teams can't pull away. The best teams... Normally, you see the kind of the better teams pull away at the end of the year. As the year drags on, you're tired. You're out of the playoff race. You know, out of the playoff race. You're tired, and you're on a plane every single day, playing a baseball game nearly every day. And you're like, I, I don't know the fight today. And the the best teams pull away. Well, there are only 30 MLB teams, and it feels like we're going to have a, a playoff year with 20 teams competing for a playoff spot. It's going to be crazy and fun because of that. I I'm so. Oh, excited, man. Um, the season starts on Thursday. Thursday, what is it, July 23rd? Um, now, I am, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, I feel, I feel bad because I'm, I'm hyping up baseball. I'm going to miss the first couple days of baseball. Um, I'm going to be in the woods camping from July 23rd to the 29th. Um, you know, if baseball happens and if football happens and if the NBA happens, I got to think about it this way, where from August 1st until February like the middle of February, there's going to be no break from sports. Assuming football happens, we're going to have all three major American sports happening at one time. That's a lot to cover. The NFL, the MLB, uh, baseball, what, baseball, basketball, football, whatever, whatever their names are, uh, their acronyms in their in NBA, whatever. Um, I, I, I just know that that's going to be crazy to cover. So I'm actually taking a week off and going to go hunker down and prepare for this long stretch of, and my plan is to record five days a week uh, when football starts. Now, I I feel bad because I'm missing baseball, but not that bad. I'm only going to miss a couple games. But I want to be clear. I am so excited. I cannot wait to watch baseball. I, I love baseball. I grew up playing it. And my whole problem with baseball has been there's too many games. 
It doesn't feel relevant. And then when the playoffs start, I tune in because playoff baseball is incredible. And the result of having a shorter season is that the entire season is basically playoffs because every at-bat, every game, even on a random Tuesday, has playoff implications and matters. And so I, mm, it's going to be a special year of baseball. I truly believe that. I don't think it's going to be like any other year we'll ever have. I think next year they're probably going to go back to the normal format. It might not be as good, but this year especially, baseball will be wonderful. Okay, uh, Titans running back Derrick Henry signed a contract, a four-year extension. Very much it's a team-friendly deal. It's worth $50 million, $25.5 million guaranteed. And you can make a real argument that Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. He led the NFL in rushing. He was a vital, vital part of the Titans' playoff run last year. I mean, there were games where last year Derrick Henry was literally like their entire offense. I mean, I think Ryan Tannehill had like 83 yards at one point in the playoffs. You're like, what? That's nothing. Derrick Henry's just leading the way. Um, Now, the deal is interesting because the extension only makes Derrick Henry the— fifth highest paid running back in the NFL, which is like very surprising for what I, he, I would have thought he got more, you know, the highest paid running back in the NFL is Christian McCaffrey. He makes on average $16 million a year. Number two is Ezekiel Elliott making 15 million a year. Number three, the Le'Veon, uh, Le'Veon Bell, the Jets running back makes 13.1 Texans running back. David Johnson makes uh, 13 million a year. He's the fourth highest paid running back. And then you got Derrick Henry only making, and it's a lot of money, but in comparison, only $12.5 million. And he might very well, him or Christian McCaffrey, I think are debatable. Uh, I, I, Christian McCaffrey's a little more versatile, but Derrick Henry very well might be the best running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry can catch too. No one talks about that. Go watch the playoffs last year with the Titans. They threw some passes to him where you're like, oh, he took that thing 40 dang yards. Wow. And so... First of all, here's why it's good for the Titans. Not only did Derrick Henry not break the bank, Derrick Henry could have, and I think the truth is he wanted a gigantic contract, but he wasn't going to get it. We'll dive into that in a minute. So not only did Derrick Henry sign a moderate contract where he's not the highest paid running back, he's not destroying their salary cap, but also there are, are only two years of the contract, only two years of Derrick Henry's contract and extension are guaranteed where after two years, the Titans could cut him and say, ah, we gave you $25.5 million. Have fun. Have a good life. Take care. And I think that it's worth mentioning Derrick Henry's 26 right now. He'll be 27 in January. And the Titans got a great deal here. I just, I can't say it enough. Derrick Henry could have, and I think was asking for more. Now, the reason why I think Derrick Henry signed what he did was partially because he realized, look, it's not going to budge. I want more money. I They're going to just franchise tag me, and they're not going to give me that. So what I'm going to do, Derrick Henry said, I understand that the running back market is losing value. As quarterback prices go up, running back prices have steadily been going. You know, They're just getting less and less important. And I respect Derrick Henry's self-awareness to kind of recognize this is the best offer I'm going to get. I'm, I want more money. I'd love, and I, I understand Derrick Henry probably feels like I should make $16 million a year. I should make more, 16.1. I should make more than Christian McCaffrey. I beat him in yards. I carried my team on my back, and sometimes I carried the other team on my back. 
So Derrick Henry, this might not be ideal, but again, it's worth $25.5 million guaranteed, and it's a long-term contract. I think Derrick Henry's underpaid, but I'm glad he got something for his family, and I, I just understand that Derrick realized, look, I want more money. It's not going to happen. He even came out and said, like, these are weird, you know, what, what do he say? There are times of great uncertainty was the quote he gave, where he realized, hey, we need to just lock this down and get a contract going, and so... I respect Derrick Henry. I think he's underpaid, not by much, like a million or two, a couple million dollars, uh, which is a lot, but it's in the scheme of things, I'm just glad he he had the self-awareness to realize I'm not going to get the contract I want, but let's take what I can, which is a little better than the franchise tag. He got a long-term deal, $25.5 million, got his family some money that's going to probably last them for the rest of his life. He's set for life. Um, and I, I'm happy for Derrick Henry, even if he didn't really get the contract he wanted. Now, and, and again, to be clear, Derek is underpaid in my opinion. But congratulations to the Titans. They got a crazy screaming deal, and Derrick Henry got paid. Now, I've talked about elite quarterbacks a lot. I had, you know, I've done topics about it. I've had Brett Coleman on the show. Brett Coleman and I talked about it. And I want to just give a definition to be very, very clear. This is how I define an elite quarterback. You know, there are only three or four of these in the NFL. Maybe sometimes, some years there are five. And every year it changes. You've got to evaluate. It's a very fluid group of quarterbacks where these guys are the best of the best on the planet at the quarterback position. Now, one of the criteria, in my opinion, with an elite quarterback is to say that you cannot overpay an elite quarterback. And what that means is, there is no amount of money you will not pay to have that guy play quarterback for your football team. Worth every penny. No matter what, it, no matter what the amount is, as long as it's not your entire salary, you're not going to pay him $200 million. My point is, is it 50? Is it 40? Russell Wilson's worth it. And because that guy's good enough, he's going to elevate your team. Even if your roster isn't as good, if you have an elite quarterback on your payroll, the expectation is... He's going to make it happen and make it work anyway. An elite quarterback, the best of the best. They can elevate your team with a bad roster, with a bad offensive line. When you're in a bad situation, if you're in a bad play call, that quarterback's either got to be able to change the play or extend the play and make it work. That's why you're paying him. Some quarterbacks have a bad offensive line. Uh, there are other quarterbacks in the NFL right now that have a bad offensive line and a bad coach making all kinds of crazy trades I don't understand. And they are still making the playoffs. I'm not going to say their names. I don't want to detract from the story here and the, the kind of criteria. But if you give an elite quarterback help, they have to win. They must win a lot. And if they don't take advantage of it, they're not an elite quarterback. They're expected to win without help. That's why you're paying an elite quarterback that kind of money. And the word elite is exclusive on purpose. The word elite means you are the very best on the planet at your job. You can be very good and not be elite. And there's a difference. It's very finite, but it's there. Part of what makes a quarterback and the word elite, an elite quarterback, part of what makes that word elite special is that it's rare. It's rare to find one. Elite quarterbacks are not easy to find. And that is how I define an elite quarterback. You can't overpay them. They make your team work. No matter what's around them, they make the playoffs. They win. They, have a, they do a great job. And when they get help, 
they'd better deliver. If you get him a good coach, a good defense, a good receiver, they they got to make that happen and make it work. And if they can't, they're not elite. So that is how I define the position, the elite quarterback clarification. It's very different. It's special. It's exclusive. It's rare. Not everybody can be one, and it's intentional. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. That's all I have for today. But um bum bam, we are done.